Welcome back, everybody, to the newest episode of thepenpodcast.com. I'm your host, Matthew Harms, founder of Pen for Hire, where we offer premier ghostwriting and author coaching services. Also, the creators of the Pen Podcast, where we sit with authors, writers, writing industry professionals, subject matter experts, and all around interesting people. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Carrie Veracchio. How are you this morning? I am fabulous, Matthew. Thank you for asking. It is my pleasure. Where are you joining us from, Carrie? I'm in upstate New York. Oh, whereabouts? Binghamton. Binghamton. Okay. So if you know, if you ask someone from Buffalo, they consider me mid-state. But if you ask in the city, I'm upstate. So this is where I am. <laughs> if you ask me who's right outside of New York City, you're in Canada. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've learned my limit in a car is about two and a half hours. Oh, wow. Wow, let's see, I'm just the opposite. My limit is about 16. Really? Yeah, I love road trips all day long. My longest road trip was to Pittsburgh. That was like six and change. Um, <laughs> never, never again. I've done Buffalo once. Um, I just never get out of the car feeling good. Yeah, well, you have to stop along the way, you know. I am that guy who stares at the estimated arrival time, and if it's not going down, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> You're one of those. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I have to beat the GPS. Got it. I'm my own worst enemy. But anyway, enough about yeah. me. Carrie, if you'd be so kind, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. I am, I am someone who got tired of living in the prison of corporate America. And nothing against people who love corporate America. I'm very thankful for people who love corporate America. It just wasn't me. It was not my passion in life. It isn't where my skill and passion met and my purpose began. It was, it was a place where I hid so that I didn't have to take the risk of following my passions and my dreams. And when my brother passed away from cancer uh, 12 years ago now, he was 48 years old, he challenged me to get out there and do what I was called to do. He admonished me for not using my gifts. And he said, my life is over. I have no more life to choose, but you do. And you can help others make the same choice. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, was the push I needed. Yeah. So 12 years ago, I mean, that sounds like a bittersweet memory. Um yes. But I'm sure knowing that you're actually following that path you were challenged is has got to be rewarding in its own right. It It is. I, of course, made the promise to him literally a week to the day before he passed away and then <laughs> did nothing to fulfill that promise because I didn't know. I had no idea what my first step should even be. And a few months after he died, I had a dream in the dream. He was in a restaurant. He was ignoring me. I was trying to get his attention, wouldn't talk to me. And I finally got angry, stood in front of him and said, Billy, I don't understand why you won't talk to me. I, I just, I miss you. Why won't you talk to me? And in my dream, he said, because I died. I'm only here to give you a message. Life is short, little sister. Choose wisely. And I just remember sitting bolt upright in bed, eyes wide open and decided that I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I could at least take the first step. So I started to enroll in programs on how to increase my confidence, how to learn to speak on stage, how to write a book, anything that I thought I would, that I always wanted to do, I started to get training on and started taking the steps to 
get out of corporate America and start encouraging people to choose life while they have life to choose. That's incredible. Um, I'm curious for you, like you take those first steps, you've still got the job, right? So that mm-hmm. paycheck's still coming in. Yes. Um, and my so my story is very similar to yours. Uh, 15 years in the corporate world that was just sucking the soul out of me. Yes. How, how and when did you get confident enough to say, I'm done, here's my two week notice? <laughs> so... I actually left and started working, working from my home, still doing training, still high. So I just went from hiding behind the corporate desk to hiding behind the training desk, right? The the next course was going to be what was going to push me over the edge. And so I just kept doing that. And I took a job working from home, which gave me, I'll say in air quotes, freedom. But I was still putting in massive hours doing medical transcription. I ended up going back into corporate America to help my brother-in-law in in his business part-time, very part-time, which lasted about a week before I was full-time. And then I was general manager of three companies. And then I was back to 80 hours a week. And in that time, a gentleman came in, I'll use that term loosely too. He came into the business and it was, it was living under extreme stress and, and brutal emotional abuse every single day from this person. Tyranny. And what's that? Tyranny. Oh, yes. Oh, and and the thing is, I was the general manager. I was his boss. And yet the owner of the company did not come in and back me up. In, the owner in, of the company being your brother-in-law. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Whew. Big, long, big, I won't, I'm not going to go into any details. <laughs> but this gentleman came into my office one day and he said to me, Veracchio, I sent some animosity between us. And I said, do you? And he, I, I just remember standing up and putting my hands on my desk and saying, get out of my office now. And he literally backed out of my office. I walked over and I quit. I was done. I said, I, I would rather live on beans and rice for the next 10 years while I build my business than put up with this. I was called for more. This is not the life that I was created to live. And I was letting down a promise I made to my brother. And in that time frame between my brother and when that happened, my dad also passed away and, and again said, you promised your brother, don't let us down. And, and my mother had moved in with us by that time as well. And she was saying the same thing, honey, I am watching you go to work every single day with your shoulders down, head low. And when you come in the house, the look of defeat on your face is more than I can handle. It's time to step into that power. This is not what you were born to do. Get out there and live your life. And it's, it's been quite a journey. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com created by pen for hire. Thanks to technology, authors are now able to reach their readers in new ways. Letting readers know who you really are, why you wrote the book, and that you welcome their questions and comments goes a long way to building a fan base. Outside of social media, podcasts, radio, television, newspaper, and magazine interviews reach millions of people every day. How can you get featured in more of these media channels? Working with a public relations specialist will open more doors than you ever thought possible. 
visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation today. Now back to the interview. <clears throat> when, I mean, there's so many ways to go with that. When did the book come into the picture? I began working on the book and <laughs> it was one of those, I'll get it done someday things. And then in December of 2019, December 13th, 8 p.m. at night, you never forget phone calls like this. I got a phone call from a doctor who had just done my colonoscopy seven days before. And he had said, oh, we removed some polyps. They're nothing. They're tiny. Go about your life. But he called that night. I picked up the phone, not knowing who it was, but knowing in my heart, you need to pick up the phone. We were decorating the Christmas tree. And it was... Dr. Lehrman. And he said, you'll need to be in my office at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. And I said, why? And he said, because you have invasive colon cancer. And it, this was the cancer that took my brother and my mother's sister and my mother's aunt and one of her brothers. And my mother had also had it years before. And I just, my head started spinning like how long do I, how, how long do I have it? How can I have cancer? I've done everything right. I, I did everything the doctors told me to avoid this cancer, this family cancer, which was lifestyle related is what they told us. And here I was being told you have this, you'll need to be in the office. In January, I went in for a, um, for a colon resection. I came out of the hospital <laughs> with COVID. <laughs> and two weeks later was diagnosed with skin cancer. Just after that, I was diagnosed with a genetic disorder called Lynch syndrome. I had my mother tested. Her results came back. She was positive. I got her in for a colonoscopy. Finally, they did that on May 5th, where she was diagnosed with massive colorectal cancer. She died in my arms 19 days later. That And we're still at May. <laughs> we're still only at May 21st. And I realized life is short. Choose wisely. It hit me like a brick. And the book took shape and was done by July. It, I was just, it was all I could do to sleep because I wanted to write the book. It was that much a, of a, oh my gosh, there's a world out there that I'm not giving this message to. And I have just watched Life is Short, Choose Wisely go into play for this entire couple of months. I just, I felt like the waves were crashing over me and I couldn't catch a breath. And if I didn't write this book, if I didn't put out there what I had learned from the time my brother died until the time my mother died, if I didn't write it, I was leaving a message unsaid that somebody needed. If it helps one person, then, then I have fulfilled my purpose. And I just, I got it. I, I needed to get it done. I needed to get that message out there. Wow. I mean, I've, I've got to say, <laughs> having written three of my own books and dozens for other people, two-month turnarounds is a complete testament to your dedication. <laughs> That's not easy to do. No, no, it wasn't. But it was all it was all in my head. It was just putting the pen to paper and or, you know, keyboard to computer. <laughs> Whatever but, your preferred medium is. Yes, but <laughs> getting it, the message had been growing for all those years. But as I, as I spent that last week with my mother, 
we just, there wasn't a lot of talking because she was in and out of a comatose state, but there was a lot of unspoken words going on between the two of us as we held hands, as I held her. And the one, the last words to me were, her last words to me were, you are my beautiful daughter and I'm so proud of you. Never stop doing what you do. And so I cannot stop. So with that, I mean, that's a perfect opportunity to tell us a little bit more about exactly what it is that you're doing. Uh, I love to, there's so, there's so multi, it's multifaceted. So I love to coach women one-on-one high level coaching for women who are ready to change, who wake up and say, is this all there is? Was I, is, is there more out there? Is there life out there that I'm not even experiencing because I'm doing, I'm doing every day what somebody else wants me to do. I'm living a story someone else wrote. So I, I do that. I also do conferences. I do leadership training and I do women's conferences where I speak on women's empowerment and being very clear that to me, empowering women is not disempowering men. And I think a lot of people who speak on women's empowerment cross a line where they're actually bashing men. And I, I have a, an amazing husband and sons and grandsons. I think men are amazing. It is to me, it is nothing about disempowering men. It's, a, it's about empowering women to step into their power and rise up to their potential as well. I have another book that I am writing now titled, How Can I Help You Say Goodbye? That is a journey through grief. And so I also do a lot of workshops on overcoming grief because that story I gave you only took me to May and it, it goes on. Those waves kept crashing and crashing and crashing. And I've learned very much about journeying through grief and how much forgiveness works into grief. So I also coach on that as well. And I guest teach. I travel all over the place. This is why I love road trips. If I'm asked to speak somewhere, I will go. I will speak wherever I'm asked to speak because it is my passion. It is why I'm on this earth. I'm convinced of it. I love it. Um, one question I usually wind up asking all of my guests, especially the the business owner guests, um, how, what, if any significance or benefit have you seen from having a book? It is, it has given me a lot of credibility to be able to, if I'm doing a, let's say a corporate workshop and I send a copy of that book to everyone or in my online program, I have a radical empowerment method online program. I send everyone a copy of the book and that becomes our actual workbook for the six week program. It has given me credibility to say, I've done the work and put this together. All of these, all of this journey, I have literally put together inside of a method. And here it is. It's not just my thoughts that I'm going to share with you. I actually took the time to write it out and publish it. And, and when I say that, it automatically, it automatically gives me credibility walking in the door that I took the extra step and did this part. Love it. I hear that from almost all of my professional clients yeah. that it's just a complete differentiator between you and the next person who may have the same experience, same skills, same certifications, yes. but taking the time out, uh, even if you did it in two months, which again, shocked, we're, we're usually like <laughs> six months, <laughs> two months is an anomaly, but I, I love it. Um, yeah. How far along are you in the second book? I am just beginning it. See, I'm in the same place. You think we learn our lessons, right? 
but I have given myself the someday until about two weeks ago. And then I promised someone that it would be done by April. So I am working on that now and I'm about a quarter of the way into it. So you just kind of hit on a topic that I love discussing, especially since you're a coach. Um, you're having to hold yourself accountable yes. in some way. And for you, that's making promises to people. Yes, it, it is. I When I coach people and they will say, okay, I need you to hold me accountable for this. As your coach, I will check in with you and I will hold you accountable as best I can. But until you're willing to hold yourself accountable, nothing gets done. You are the person that you need to prove yourself to. No one else. No one else. No one else's opinion matters. Only your own. The most important promises are the ones that you make to yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, even for my own writing, I don't take my own advice, right? I tell my clients, <laughs> you've got to schedule time yes. on your calendar to write or, or at least just to block it off. So, you know, life's not going to get in the way. Yes. And then I find myself at the end of the week, like, man, I should have taken my own advice. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> it's, it's why the coach has a coach. <laughs> Facts. Um, yes. I put all my client time on the calendar, like when I'm working on what projects, but there's never any mat time. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I'm maybe I'm just going to hold you accountable for that. <laughs> so I'll get a random email next week. Like, did you put any time on the calendar? And yes, I you will. Sometimes <laughs> I need a different voice to kick me in the butt. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by Pen for Hire. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. While many writers are capable of writing entire novels without ever planning or getting writer's block, most need some kind of structure. Taking the raw thoughts out of your head and organizing before or during the writing process can drastically improve quality and efficiency. Visit our website, at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation on our author coaching services today. And now back to the interview. Carrie, um, what do you see as the next step for your business? Like what would make you incredibly proud of accomplishing in the next 12 to 24 months? Mm, being on a TED stage. That is something I'm actively, actively working on. It's been a dream of mine. I'm in Toastmasters, I've done the Toastmasters competition, went to the end of the competition into the finals and loved every minute of it. And the TED stage is something that is every day I wake up and say, wouldn't it be amazing if I was standing on that red dot sharing my story? Wake up every morning and tell yourself you are standing on the stage. I am on the stage, on the red dot. Uh-huh. You got it. Now you can hold me accountable. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's another, I mean, now that you mention it, another A that goes with accountability is that affirmation. Yes. Everyone's like, oh, it's such a great, and then you don't do it. Like I just yeah. caught myself by catching you. I'm like, wait, I haven't read my affirmations in probably weeks. Why? Because I got too busy. Ah, uh, oh, that, that word busy. That's just an evil word. How are you handling that busy? Cause you know, as a business owner, I know that it's easy to put in 80 hours, not realize you're doing it because it's your business, right? You're doing yes. something you love and there's no uh -huh. off switch. Um, how do you find yourself balancing that 
business time and turning it off time. Yeah, this has been, I love this question. This is something that I have learned again, the hard way. And I would love for no one else to learn it the hard way. When my mom lived with us, I would come up from my office. It's a basement office, go upstairs, have dinner, and then I would come back down to work. And then I would go up and spend a little bit of time for her before with her before she went to bed. And as she started to decline and I couldn't, I didn't know what was wrong with her until that, that fateful colonoscopy day. But I realized one night I was going to miss my time with her and I would never be able to get it back. And I started to draw a very, a very hard line in the sand that when I leave my office to go upstairs and fix dinner and, and now my, our daughter and grandson, nine month old grandson live with us too. I am very strict about my non-negotiables. There are, there is one night in the week that I have an eight o'clock class I teach. And when that is over, I will, that will be that last one. But it's a very, it's a very strict line where at dinner time, I'm, I am done working. I don't check emails. I don't check in with clients. It is my time with my family, walking the dog, talking with my husband. It has, it started with sheer willpower and it was hard. My corporate brain told me that I needed to be working all the time. So I started researching and really the science proves that after a certain amount of hours of think time in a day, six hours, your brain's done. You're just spinning your wheels, trying to prove yourself to people, maybe to yourself. And the truth is we don't have to prove ourselves. We are worthy and amazing because we are. There's no, there's, there's no after part. I'm worthy because I worked 80 hours this week. I'm worthy because I woke up this morning. I don't have to prove that to anybody. And once I learned that, then I was able to walk away and focus on my family. And when I'm in my office, I'm focused on work. I have worked really, really hard to be present where I am and not try to fill in spaces, white space with more work because, oh, I have my phone in my hand. I can just answer a few emails while I'm at the movies with Gabe, my husband. It doesn't work that way. It just creates resentment in him and I missed half the movie because then I'm looking up going, hey, what just happened? It's like, well, if you watch the dang movie, you would know. And the other thing it does is it sends the wrong message to your clients that you are available anytime. And then once you stop responding, it yes. becomes, they're like, well, what's going on? What's wrong? That's exactly right. When you allow people to push in your own boundaries that you've set, they can't understand when you decide to keep the boundary strong and the resentment grows. I've, I have, I actually lost a couple of clients who just were not willing to abide by this new boundary, which wasn't new at all. It was my original boundary that I had allowed to be pushed in. Yeah. No one, no one remembers that part. No, no one remembers that part. And the other uh, point that you were making um, about the, the human brain, uh, I usually try to equate that to the law of diminishing returns, right? Yes. I know there's been nights where I've were, I've pushed myself to 11, 12, one, and then I'll wake up in the morning and read what I wrote. And I'm like, that's absolute garbage. <laughs> it's true. Like, I should have went to bed at nine o'clock and just gotten up earlier and started. Yes. Fresh. It, that's exactly it. And it is something that I am constantly, constantly working on Matt, because I, I spent years in corporate America working the midnight. I mean, just just working till the ridiculous hours, two, three o'clock in the morning. 
And then I would say, oh, I'll spend time with people. Like I'll do all the work overnight. And then when everybody else gets up, I can spend time with them, but I would fall asleep. I'd sit down to talk with someone and just kind of be falling asleep. So I was totally ineffective. Yeah. Or, or mental, yeah. mentally mush and not oh, really present yeah. in any interaction. People are talking to you and all you hear is. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like in a, in a, in a, can in your head and it's just reverberating around because all you really need is sleep. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love that. I think yeah. that's for writers, for professionals, for anyone learning that there's only so many hours you can put into anything. Yes. You, you need to switch it up. You do. You do. You have to. Even with this, my grandson is such an amazing example to me. If you keep him in one spot for too long, he gets fussy. So because he's tired, it's because, hey, I want to see something else now. I'm done now. I, I'm done with the kitchen. Let's go to the dining room. Okay, now I'm done here. Can we just please go to the family room? He he needs to be moved around. He needs to, he's becoming more mobile now and he'll do it himself. But if you keep him in one place for long, he goes he goes crazy. You know, it's funny. People come up with all these terms, right? They, they throw words around, care like fussy, ADD, um, really I mean, and not that's not to say that some of the times that's not a correct classification, but for the most part, humans don't want to sit in one place no. all day long. There's a reason people travel. There's a reason people go for a walk and, and go to the gym or go to yeah. the movie. You need a change of scenery. When a grown adult wants to go from one room to the next, we don't call them fussy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's it's exactly it's exactly right. And we're all so different where you know you were saying your your time in a car is two and mine's 16. I literally, if I'm home for two weeks straight, I start looking around like I got to get out of here. I I can't do this. I am my mom used to tell me, you are your father's daughter. My father was a musician, an incredible musician, traveled literally all over the world. And he was the same way as me. Like two weeks home, he'd just be like, does anybody want to just go for a drive? <laughs> like we can get out of here. It's the way it's, you're right. We just need to change. Our daughter has a saying that she learned in a, in a rehab and she doesn't remember which one, but it's um, move a muscle, change, change your mind, move a muscle, move, move a muscle, change your thoughts. And it just, it really struck with me when she said that when you, you start to move around, you literally can change your thoughts. If you're having a negative thought, get out and take a walk. It really does change it. Yeah. Really During does. the pandemic, I, I was the one who was constantly like, all right, I'm going to the supermarket. That's not say I need to get out of this house. Like I'll yes. take my sneakers. <laughs> yes. Me too. Me too. Literally flew New York to California. During the pandemic, just because I just need, and it was only forty nine dollars. I was like, I'm, I'm jumping on this. <laughs> I'm jumping on it. I am gonna go walk on that beach. Dag on it. I, I mentioned this in another podcast, and I forget. I think I, I read this in Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. But there was an author. It might have actually been Hill himself who had a deadline. Um, he was like a week out on his next book that he guaranteed the publisher. Um, what he wound up doing was booking a nonstop flight from New York to, I think it was Tokyo or New York to Hong Kong. And it was just a round trip flight landed, came right back and finished the book on the plane. Cause he needed a change of place, uh, a yes. change of pace and needed to have nothing else to distract him. It's like, I can't get off this plane. I might as well work. Oh my gosh. That's brilliant. I'm sure it costs a pretty penny, but if the contract <laughs> you, you're about to breach costs more. Yes. 
Oh my gosh. That's, that's awesome. But I do that. I don't know if you do this. If I'm, if I'm just like at stuck at my desk here and it's beautiful. I mean, I say I'm in a basement, but it is a beautiful location in our home. But there are times, many times where I pack it all up and I head to the library or to Starbucks or to Panera or somewhere where it's a change of scenery and I can zone in so much better just by changing up where I am. I've absolutely, I usually not my computer because then it becomes more of a tech issue, but I'll take my notebook and yeah. I'll go drive sit by the Hudson River and like just clear my head. And sometimes client project notes come to me. Sometimes it's my own stuff. Uh, I don't do that nearly enough. I think the last time I did it was three months ago for my birthday. Um, but that is incredibly helpful, especially leave the phone in the car, go sit by the water. Yes. And the only thing you have is the notebook. So there's no distraction. Uh, yes. It sounds glorious. Yeah. Because otherwise, if you look at my computer right now, I've got 28 tabs open. <laughs> there is no way. If I leave the house with the computer, I'm going to wind up. It's just going to be work in a different location. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do you tell all your clients one tab open at a time? <laughs> I usually, I don't really try to enforce that one because I'm, I'm so bad at it myself. But what I do <laughs> I tell them is when they're sitting down to write, turn off the Wi-Fi. Mm, I love that. Turn off the Wi-Fi because it's, it's like Pavlov's dog. As soon as you get an email ding, you may not check it right away, but it's going to sit there in your brain. And eventually mm -hmm. your, your curiosity is going to get the best of you. And yes. next thing you know, that email took you down a train. Um, so yeah, turn the Wi-Fi off, turn your phone, or if you have to leave your phone in another room. Yes. Preferably like if you're writing on the top floor of your house, put your phone in the basement. Oh, I love that too. Because um, you're your own worst enemy. You are. You, you will find ways to distract yourself. Oh, to yeah. To not do what you know you need to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, when that chocolate cake's in the refrigerator right next to you, <laughs> your brain's gone, let's go get that. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I could go to the supermarket and not buy the chocolate cake. That's easy. But when I come home and it's there, it's like, I, I would never buy that. I shouldn't eat that. But, <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> yes. Get it out. Get it out of the house. Oh my goodness. Carrie, this is, this has been, um, an amazing enlightening conversation. Uh, I would love if you could tell everyone listening, uh, for now and for the replays where they can find out more information about you, your book, working with you, um, all of that good stuff. Yes. All of that information is on my website at www.coachcarryv.com. It's just the letter V.com coachcarryv.com. It's all on there. You can email me. You can find out more about hiring me to speak or coach or tap into a workshop, any of that. Incredible. Um, really appreciate you being here today. I'm sure anyone who takes the initiative to move that muscle, reach out to Coach Carrie. Um, you will find incredible benefits. Um, if that wasn't evidence enough, just by some of the advice on this call, I'm motivated. Um, might actually get some of my own writing done this week. So I thank you for that. Um, always great when, when coaches can coach each other, yes. um, to everyone listening, we always appreciate when you support our guests. So go buy coach Carrie's book, um, reach out to her, head over to her website. Um, any questions you can always reach out to us at the show as well. Um, and we'll be happy to point you in the right direction. We thank you as always for listening and we'll catch you all on the next episode of the penpodcast.com. Thank you very much again, coach Carrie. Thank you. My pleasure.